0: This series that we're starting today, we've been talking about doing for over a year now. Uh, We were gonna be doing this series, just to kinda let you know, we were gonna be doing this series right after Loving Logic last year, which if you have not heard um, or watched our series, Loving Logic, that we did last year, I would highly encourage you to do so. This is sort of i don 't want to say Part B of that, but it is, it is closely related to that type of series. This is what what we kind of would call like a, a cultural apologetic series of of looking at the culture that we live in right now and uh, sort of you know, uh, diagnosing what 's going on in our culture and and seeing how the Word of God speaks to what 's going on in our culture and um, this is not one of those series that's an alarmist series, like the sky is falling. I'm not a big sky is falling guy, all right? I think the sky has been falling just perpetually forever, so no need to be a big sky is falling guy if it's always been falling, you know? now with me on that. Like things are bad, they always have been bad, but they might be bad in a certain way nowadays, and we want to, to kind of look at it with our eyes wide open. So, so this is the, the Christ conflict, and in this series, we're gonna focus on the conflict between the church's beliefs and the world's view of truth in our increasingly diverse society. All right, we're looking at the way of Jesus versus the way of the world and how the apostle Paul provides clarity on doctrines, the Christian doctrines that we believe to believe in and hold fast to, right? We're gonna be providing some clarity on that and, and searching the scripture for that. And in the same way that we, we talked a lot about this scripture last year, we're going to be using the same scripture, Colossians 2:8 for this series. It says this and this is, again, the Apostle Paul warning the church. He says, "See to it that no one takes you captive." I want you to remember that word "captive," all right? through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spirits, uh, spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. The word captive is a strong word, all right? Uh, the word captive, it, that's a word that you use when you're in a battle or you're in a war, you're in a fight. It's not a casual word, all right? And, and Paul's saying, don't be held captive. Don't be caught by what? He says, by hollow, hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition, and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than Christ. He, he creates two different forces here. He, 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 he draws a line. He says, there's the spirit of the world, and then there's the spirit of God, right? And these two forces are opposed to one another. And guess what? Today, we're dealing with the same thing. We're dealing ultimately with the conflict between the spirit of the world and the spirit of God. And the spirit of God influences people for his glory and and our good, right? That's what the spirit of God does. The spirit of the world influences people for its purposes, which is ultimately to kill, steal, and destroy, right? Satan, come on y'all, If you know your word, that's exactly, it's the same thing, it's the same conversation. And so we have this battlefront. And this battlefront, this is where the spiritual conflict is happening between the spirit of God and the spirit of the world. There's a place where where these things converge, where conversations converge, and we have sparks that begin to fly, okay? And this is the basis of this series, that every part of our world is influenced by spiritual forces and there's a conflict in every philosophical perspective, in every societal trend, in every political view and relational interaction. But it starts in the spirit, not the physical. A lot of people are fighting political wars, but that's not where the war starts. And if we fight on the political front without understanding what's really going on behind the scenes, I'm not talking about deep state, by the way, behind the scenes, you know, it's a few, a few, all right. Uh, if, we, if we don't see what's really going on, we will misdiagnose the problem and then we will, we will offer solutions that don't help. And we might even compromise our witness in the process as believers. Ephesians 6.12, again, Paul warning the church, some of y'all, y'all need to hear this right now. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. This is talking about the spirit, the spiritual war that we're in. And, and I mean war, it's violent. It's constant. There's a lot of people who are being taken out daily in this war, and some don't even know it. There are many evil spirits involved in this. And as soon as I say that, I feel people start going, ooh, right? But there are. There are evil spirits involved in this battle. There are things going on that we cannot see. Sometimes we can sense if our spiritual eyes are open. And there's a battle waging uh, you know, around us all the time. And, and so we wanna be aware of that, but we don't, we don't wanna be overly intrigued with that. Now, depending how long that you've been a Christian, maybe you've been around churches or depending on your background, you know when it comes to evil spirits and, and demons, there's some people who get infatuated with the, the demonic realm. And, uh, and we believe in that realm. We, obviously, we believe in the spiritual realm. I would say that all of us probably here today watching, we, we believe in the spiritual realm, right? And so there's good and there's evil. Angels, demons, all of these things. This is a reality that we live in, uh, but we don't want to be overly intrigued with it at the same time. I, I like how C.S. Lewis uh, puts it for us. He says, and, and he was an author way you know, like back in the 40s, and he wrote this. He said, there are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. They themselves, the demons, are equally pleased by both errors and hail a materialist or a magician with the same delight. People fall, off, people fall into this or to this, into, into these extremes. They become overly intrigued and mystical and, and they become a magician. Or they fall over this way and they become a materialist. If I can't see it, touch it, taste it, feel it, it's not, it's not real. And, and, and honestly, the demons, the spirit of the world would, would like either of those but we don't find ourselves in either of those. We we wanna find ourselves in a more balanced position. And it's very difficult, and and today I'm not going too deep into what I'm talking about right now, but I wanted to establish the fact that we do believe in this, and this is a real thing. And uh, and we're gonna talk more about that in the the future. But when it comes to spirit, I just said spiritual realm. We believe there is a dimension or a realm other than the physical one that is spiritual, And, and we're all spiritual beings whether we are aware of it or not. There's a lot of things that people say they believe in or they don't believe in, but did you know that, honestly, it it doesn't matter whether you say you believe in something or not if it's a reality? I don't believe in that. But if it exists, then it really doesn't matter whether you believe in it or not. It's either true or not. It has nothing to do with your opinion about it. You know what I'm saying? I don't believe that this pulpit exists. I don't believe it. Nope. I reject it. It's sitting right here, man. So there's a lot of people that are like, I don't believe in all that. And it's like, all right, it's still there. These things are still happening, right? So we're, we're, we're spirits, but as, as spiritual beings, we are seeking connection to what I'll call the divine right now, the divine that then becomes our source of truth and directs the way that we think and that we, uh, the way that we live. We're all spiritual beings. We are desiring some sort of connection to the, the other side, right? And whatever we connect to and the way that we connect, it begins to define us. It becomes our source of truth. So what we connect to, what we believe in, is of utmost importance in the way that we live our lives and how we'll ultimately spend eternity. But there are two different groups of people on either side of this conflict in regards to the spirit of the world and the spirit of God. And those influenced by the spirit of the world and the spirit of God, I believe there are two questions that best represent this, what we're doing today and talking about is this spiritual conflict. All right, where, where does, where's the battlefront today in the Christ conflict in regards to the spiritual conflict? Next week, we'll talk about the philosophical conflict, but guess what? Before we could talk about philosophy and society and politics and all these things, where does it start? It starts with the spiritual conflict, the real issue, where everything else springs from, Right? And so there's a lot of questions that people are asking about this conflict if you will. But the two that we're going to focus in today, which I believe again best represents this conflict is number 1 who is God and number 2 is how do we access God. Now, in regards to people who are influenced by the spirit of the world, right? That their source of truth is from the spirit of the world. They might not say necessarily who is God. But It might be, you know, higher power, it might be who's the divine, what is the divine, you know what I'm saying? There might be a lot of different ways of asking the question, but essentially, this question, who is God? Is it a higher power? Is it one God? Is it many gods? Is it energy, divine being? Is it me? Some people, I am my own God. Is it nature, right? People are asking this question left and right. Now, I realize that in this room today, there's a lot of you who maybe the things that we're about to talk about are super foreign to you. Maybe you haven't delved into any of this. <clears throat> maybe this is like the super spiritual stuff that you're like, man, that's kind of weird. Maybe you're more of a naturalist type person, right? You're just kind of, hey, I don't, get, I don't get too complicated. But we have to realize that the the questions that we're talking about and the issues that we're talking about are very real and are influencing the world that we live in. So we wanna be aware of it because we also don't wanna fall into these traps. So with the question, who is God? In our modern day, we live in a religiously pluralistic society, which is basically, we're very tolerant of m- many religions. And I'm not talking about in our laws and our constitution. I'm talking about the way that people believe in a lot of different religions. There's, a, there's kind of like a melting together of a lot of different religions. There's this openness to kind of you believe what you believe, I believe what I believe, sort of like a relativistic society. It's, it's where we live, okay? And so... People today are combining and accepting all forms of spiritualism and spiritual practices. People are consuming a lot of religious content from various sources, and it's really a modern day uh, polytheistic culture, which is a culture that recognizes and potentially worships a lot of different gods. It's really what's going on. And again, these gods have a lot of different names, a lot of different, there's a lot of different movements. There's the new age movement. There's the new atheism movement. There's a lot of different names that you might recognize. A couple of them I wanna name. Deepak Chopra, Oprah, Richard Rohr. New Atheists are are the the Richard Dawkins, Sam Harris, Christopher Hitchens crowd. Like you have these big authors who have written these books and they're throwing out these ideas or maybe re-engineering old ones and offering them up to a new generation and people are eating it up. Now, you might not know any of those names, but if you're on TikTok or any sort of social media or if you're on the internet, how about just put it that way? If you're literally alive nowadays, you might not know those names, but you, you, you hear what they say through other no names. The people that you're just scrolling through on your reels and they're just spitting out all their new age stuff, right, guess what that is? It's, it's rooted in some ancient religions and it's manifesting itself to us today in a different way but it's the same spirits that influenced these things way back in the day, right, way back in the day. It's not a new tactic. In the first century, whenever Paul writes what we just read, he's speaking into a society that was also religiously pluralistic and and polytheistic. And there was a lot of idolatrous practices, and this created a lot of blended religions. A lot of blended religions. And people began to eat on it. And this is also the same thing as what the serpent did in the garden, right? Right? God instructs Adam and Eve to live a certain way. He gives them the rules, if you will. He's there with them in relationship. And they ultimately reject God in order to embrace what the serpent said, which is, is that what, really, is that what God really meant? Right? A little bit of reasonable doubt. The reason he told you that is don't eat because if you do, you'll be like him. You know what's crazy is they were already made in the image of God. But you you know what David offered? I mean, the serpent offered? The serpent offered them to be like God. To be God. To have the power, the knowledge. You know, a lot of people, whenever they're searching for God, you know what they're really searching for? They're they're looking for access to this transcendent power, knowledge, they want to know things that they can't know, they wanna do things that they can't do, right? Wanna be things that we were never intended to be. It's modern day humanism. There's certain things that, I'll just say it, we're never gonna know. Certain things that we're never gonna be able to, to, to do, right? And it doesn't matter how many times we say it or try to manifest it or whatever, it's just not going to happen because that's not what God's promises were about. There are, there are promises. There are some things. But what happens is in Christianity, and this happened back in the day, we begin to pull from new age thinking. We begin to pull from false religions and we begin to marry it together with the word of God. And we begin to say, it's, it's all the same thing. You know how a lot of people say all religions lead to the same God. Like you hear that a lot. It's false, it's not true. All of those religions lead, there is God and then there's everybody else, right? And so all those other ways cannot be incorporated into what we do and how we believe and how we pray and how we act, how we read the scripture. We can't can't meld those things together. You can't blend these things together. There has to be some delineation. And so there's conflict in where that delineation is. But it's not a new concept, not a new, not, a new, uh, not a new tactic. It's the same spirit. It's a seductive and deceptive spirit that seeks to what? Kill, steal, and destroy. And in case you didn't know, the spirit of the world, that's, what, that's the plan for your life, is to destroy you is to confuse you, is to deceive you, and have you follow other religions, other gods, yourself, and at the end of all of those roads is death, spiritual and physical death. That's the plan, that's the strategy. So the next logical question after asking who is God is how to access this God. So how do people access God? And in regards to, we're still talking about people who are in the spirit of this world. The people who are in the spirit of this world, they want to access God or their higher power or the spiritual realm or whatever they call it. And they want the knowledge and the peace and the wisdom and the fulfillment, the satisfaction from this spiritual world. And so they access this through many things nowadays, right? Psychics, card readers, I'm just going to list a bunch of them. Horoscopes, talking with the dead, ne- necromancy. Witchcraft, amulets, charms, crystals, saging. Eastern mysticism is running rampant in our culture. Chants, chakras, karma, transcendental uh, meditation. People separating themselves from reality, right? Hallucinogens to access these realms. Superstitions, manifesting. Y'all, anytime you hear somebody say manifest, I'm just saying pump the brakes. I'm just saying, pump the brakes. How about satanic entertainment? What is up with the the absolute, in, like this this desire for our culture to have satanic imagery in everything, and just call it a joke, art? What is up with it? It's like the top ten always has some sort of just straight up. Demonic, I'm not even, I'm not talking about like some sexual sin. I'm talking about demonic, man. And, and it's, it's a joke. And I'm like, I just, I'm sorry. You might think it's a joke. You're dabbling in something. Or I can tell you at least this. There's somebody deep down into the marketing agency or somebody deep down that's writing a song or there's somebody deep down somewhere that's seeding that. And again, if we just shrug our shoulders... Come on, young people, listen. If you just shrug your shoulders and say, ah, oh, man, it's whatever. I'm just saying, it, it softens your heart to witchcraft. It softens your heart to the enemy. If I was the enemy and I was trying to kill someone, I wouldn't want you to be scared of me. I wouldn't want you to fear me. I'd want you to think that I was just playing around. I'm your friend. I'm gonna set the hook. I'm gonna kill you. Like, we're in a real fight, y'all. And I know some people think it's a joke, some people just, it's like, come on, that's fine. There's a lot of you in this room who, you've dabbled in the stuff that I'm talking about and you opened some stuff up in your life that you can't close. These things are, are things that are meant to destroy us. But people think that they're accessing, maybe their, their parents, maybe some people that they love, They they think that they're accessing knowledge, joy, peace. They they think that in this pursuit, they're going to find good. But the way that they're accessing the spiritual realm, they are only going to eventually find evil. At first, it might seem good. Y'all, sin is extremely enjoyable for a long time. Sometimes just a season, but sometimes a long time. But in the end, it leads to death. That is the way of the enemy. If 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 wide is the way, y'all. Wide is the way that leads to 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 death. But it's the same thing the first century church was dealing with. They were dealing with people who were involved in divinations, which is mediums and you know all these priests and sorcerers and oracles with seers. And if you guys watch any of the old like Vikings or whatever, you see all the stuff in there. Yeah, that's the stuff that was that's you know was going on. Still is going on to a certain extent. Uh, people practicing magic, astrology, uh, uh, seeking to transcend the natural world and experience the supernatural and idolatry, performing sacrifices of children. Was, I mean, it's, it's been a part of every pagan society, it's been sacrifice of children, um, which I'm not going to get into to that, what it looks like modern day. We'll get into that in a couple of weeks. But, uh, you know, uh, ancestry worship, again, honoring the spirits of the dead. People do that today. Repetitive prayers. Just keep repeating the same prayer over and over and over in order to like force the God in order to give you favor. Uh, Worship of angels, praying to angels. We were meant to worship God, not angels. All right. Um, Temple worship was running rampant. Their festivals to the Greco-Roman gods back in the day. They would have 125 days a year was dedicated to worship and festivals of these gods. It's just how they live their life. Emperor worship if you didn't worship the emperor, a lot of Christians, by the way, what happened is they stopped doing the things that, um, you know, picture a Gentile. They get saved out of this lifelong emperor worship or worshiping of another god or whatever the, the practice was in their family. They get saved. They quit doing that because Paul's instructing them to, to not do that. And guess what happens? They start getting persecuted. Some get killed. I mean, it, 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 it was a very, it was a big deal to make that choice. It separated families. It separated people. They stood out from the crowd. Imagine everybody gathering together in the, the middle of the town. Everybody's partying it up, and they're doing all their stuff. And guess what you're doing? You're sitting at your house, like, cooking a hot dog. You know what I'm saying? He's like, well, where are you? You're not going? Yeah, we don't do that anymore. And for us, we're like, oh, it's cool. No problem. For them, it wasn't that way. If you wouldn't bow to the emperor, there was an issue. Right? Everybody's cool if you go along with what's going on the whole, in the mainstream, everybody's cool with it, but then you, you say, no, I'm not gonna do that. All of a sudden, it's like, who do you think you are? You think you're better than me, right? Don't mess with people's gods. But the way that you access the spiritual realm determines which spiritual force you will access, okay? These are the ways in which you access evil spirits and all that comes with that. I want to. I want to warn you, if you are involved in some of these things, um, to repent honestly, to turn from those things. I know that it's culturally, it's trending. I know, you know, your horoscopes. It's fun, you know, a little sage here and there, a little crystal, maligning my chakras. Like it's all over the place. And, I, and, I, and it's, it, you know, if you don't know what that is, it's, it's all over the place, all right? How many, does anybody know what I'm talking about? Is there anybody in here? Okay, cool, cool, just making sure that, that you guys are seeing the same things that I'm seeing. You're like, not me. But the way that you access the spiritual realm determines which spiritual realm, which spiritual force, you access. It's people influenced by the spirit of the world. People influenced by the spirit of God answer these questions differently. And we answer them differently because we rely on revelation from God through the word of God. So the way that we access God, the way that we think about God is not shaped by our own opinion. It's not shaped by like this famous author out there, you know. It's shaped by the word of God primarily. And and, so whenever we talk about who is God, the Bible answers this in many different ways. But Paul answers this in 1 Corinthians. And now I want you to remember that Paul is writing this to this, this polytheistic culture, okay? A, a culture that worships a lot of different gods and worships the emperor and all sorts of things like this. Okay, so what he's writing, it's like, it's a, it's, it's a protest. It's a, it's a doctrinal shift. It's, it's edgy. He says in chapter 8 of 1 Corinthians, For although there may be so-called gods in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is one God, the Father, from whom are all things and for whom we exist. Why do you exist? For God. And one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom are all things and through whom we exist. Right? That's the God that we believe in the one true God. Verse seven, he says this, however, not all possess this knowledge. Not all possess this knowledge. And we will always live in a culture where not everybody's gonna possess this knowledge. The notion that every single person on the planet in this life is going to like, like get saved, right, and follow God with their whole heart is just not scriptural. There is a remnant. There are the called out ones who remain. And then there's those who, guess what? They take the wide way. And so these scriptures delineate something, that people who follow the spirit of God believe that there is one true God and he is the creator of all things and has authority over all things. It's a big contrast There's not many gods. It's not all religions lead to one God, right? None of that. There's one true God. He is the creator. He has all the authority. And that's who we're following. Now, Satan creates an illusion of many choices. But in reality, we have just two options. The one true God and the deceptive so-called God. I like how Paul said that. There there are so-called gods. Now, we aren't the only, what we would call ourselves in Christianity, a monotheistic religion, meaning one God, right? polytheistic, many mono, one. We're a, a monotheistic religion, but we aren't the only monotheistic religion. There's really three main ones, and it's Judaism, it's Islam, and Christianity. The thing that sets us apart is how we access the grace and the love of our God. The notion of forgiveness is so foreign to many who follow in these other other religions. This gracious God. And at first it sounds you know, Allah, sounds like the same. No. God describes himself in scripture a certain way, certain attributes of God. And whenever something else calls itself God, but yet the attributes of that God are not this God, this is a counterfeit, it's a counterfeit. Years ago I had a a Muslim friend that I worked with and went to his house and we were hanging out and we got in this long conversation about our two religions and um, and I didn't know, I was 16 years old, 17 years old. I, I didn't know much about anything. And uh, we sit down and he's like, yeah, we, we serve the same God. I was like, really? Didn't know that. That's cool. Explain. And he went on to explain. And I began to ask him how he would live his life and how he was taught. And it was, it was, it was a mirror image, but not in a good way, of the life that, that I lived in, in Christianity. It was not the same. Let's not be duped. Let's not fall into this counterfeit God and believe these things as a culture pushes an agenda that says if you don't accept all of the religions as truth, you're the bigot. The first century church dealt with the same thing, y'all. So if you stand in those moments, even if you're close to someone and you love them so much and you disagree, At this moment, you have to realize that this is not a moment that you're supposed to compromise, that you're supposed to say, oh, well, yeah, it's kind of all going in the same direction. No, it's not. It's not. But that's exactly what the enemy would want us to think. I feel the tension a little bit. It's the spiritual conflict, right? How do people who are influenced by the Spirit of God access God? The spirit of the world says there are many ways to access God. Other monotheistic religions say that there are different ways to access God. However, people who follow the spirit of God believe that there is one way to God, and it's through Jesus. That's Ephesians 2.18, for through him, Christ, through Christ, we have access in one spirit to the Father. One spirit through Christ through faith in the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Not through all these other access points, right? If you you put into your GPS a certain address, you know, a good maps. at least I don't trust Apple Maps, first off. (laughs) Don't trust Apple Maps. Google Maps, that's where I go, all right? Google Maps is consistent, all right? But... It takes you to a route, right, to get to a certain destination. If if I say, hey, instead of going right, I'm gonna go left. I'm now going the wrong direction, right? I'm going away from the destination. So to say I could take a left and I'm still going towards that destination, I'm duped, I'm deceived, and I'm going to end up in the wrong place. And so... I just dabble a little bit with psychics. I just kind of go every now and then just to kind of get like a, you know, just to get, I just need a, I need, I need a word. I need, I need a direction. You'll get a direction. Now here's the deal. I went and they were right. Like they knew things. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if, if they were wrong, it wouldn't be very, it wouldn't convince you. That's what counterfeit is. Take that example and spread it out into a plethora of things. The first century church dealt with the same thing, we're dealing with the same thing, but we believe that we access God through Christ. In Christ, by being clothed in his righteousness, through faith in his sacrifice, we're able to access the abundant life of grace and salvation that God has provided for us. And I believe that for some people, this doesn't feel like enough they want a little bit something like more. They want a little little bit more edgy answer. I want something with more teeth in it. And these other ways to access these gods, it just feels like there's just something more to it. I, I feel like I can see and touch those things and just experience those things more than this that does not make it true, that does not make it a direction that leads to life. Scripture is very clear but scripture is also very clear that not everybody has this knowledge. There's an element of faith in this conflict. And church, listen, as we become more of a diverse culture religiously, I just want you to know that like you're going to get mocked a whole lot. You're going to get made fun of. What's new? Read scripture. So as we start this series, and we realize that this is a spiritual conflict and things go back to who is God and how do we access God, you need to know that everything else that we talk about is gonna come back to this conversation. Because whatever God you serve becomes your source of truth. And the spirit of the world has a different type of truth than the spirit of God. And so every philosophy, again, that comes out of this spirit, they're going in two different directions. Every societal trend, everything that we face in society, there's a a conflict in society. We're gonna gonna experience those things. In regards to sexuality and partiality. we're gonna experience this conflict. When it comes to politics, everybody put their seatbelt on, man. The next year, oh, Lord, God Almighty. Jeez, man. It takes us like three years to recoup from the, 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 the other, you know what I'm saying? Just to be like, okay, you know, hold! You know, election. But it's not just a political conflict, y'all. It's deeper than that. Politics matter. It affects the way that we live. I'm not downing that. I'm just saying, it, let's just not look at it with only political eyes. Where is the source of truth that's influencing those policies, that's influencing the, 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 the view of family, that's influencing all of, what's the source? Because if we identify the source, then we're not gonna be shocked at the, at, the, at the law. We're not gonna be shocked at the societal trends. We understand what that source is. Y'all with me? I wanna close today and read Colossians 1. It says this, he, talking about Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven. And listen, making peace by the blood of his cross. This is who God is. This is how we access God. And this is how we remain until we die from this, we, we leave this earth. Come on. This is is where our faith is. This is the basis of our life. This is the foundation of our faith, that we believe in Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, that he created us, he knows us, that he came to this earth to fix what was broken. And so we love him and we serve him.